Hi, this is Griffin McElroy. Hey, this is Rachel McElroy. And this is wonderful. Watch the throat, babe. Oh, I was drinking some water. You were water. drinking some fluid. I saw my opportunity to seize the crown. When you play the game of wonderful, now I you can say win that or this... you die. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I can say this is a show where we talk about things that we like and, yeah. and things that other people like and, and just generally the good stuff. Not as good, though, saying that as it is to get in there with the title. Ooh, saying the title of the freaking program. Oh, that's so satisfying. I'll tell satisfying. you what, though. Yeah. I don't know that you did it as well as I do. Oh, heavy as the head. That wears the crown. <laughs> um, yeah, so do you want to talk about small wonders or should I? Because now I feel like the world's all fucking topsy-turvy. I don't know which way's up. I don't know who's doing what. Who is who? Am I Rachel? Are you Griffin? Are we both Rachel? I have a very specific small wonder. I can't wait to hear it. I like a dried fruit in a salad. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Forget about it. Like a cranberry or Trader Joe's has a, has a dried blueberry. Dried blueberry put. in a salad is the all-time best shit. You get that in there with some, like, like a nice, like, crunchy cool salad with some usually dry blueberries in there oh usually there's a nut in there too with God. the dried berry mm-hmm. yeah that's all time babe a plus that's all time um oh look at you look at me you're all thrown now yeah i don't have one i mean have we done sun chips <laughs> only on this show <laughs> only on this show would we try to remember if we've discussed have sun we chips. talked about sun chips <laughs> i like them I like them. I like sun chips. I like the graininess of it. I like the flavors. A little uh, garden garden salsa. Me too. Garden salsa sun chip. It's like the exact kind of spicy that I like. Mm-hmm. Garden salsa. We also have been getting hummus every week, like nice hummus. Mm-hmm. Been dipping just plain, plain sun chips into the hummus. That's a, that's a little flavor combo. From me to you, here from the <laughs> wonderful kitchen. Uh, you go first this week. I know this for sure. We've gotten all switched up, confused, mixed around, mm-hmm. thrown in the big tornado, podcast chaos, but I know which way is first, and it's you. I brought a show and tell. Oh, shoot. Okay. What what she got? Rachel's got a, some, what is this, hon? Take it. I clipped it out of our tree. Okay, so let me, can I try and describe what it is I'm looking at? Please. So Rachel has handed me a piece of arbor. I think it's safe to say <laughs> it is a, sti- a stick, like from a branch. But a sort of mutant tumbleweed has grown around the branch. Yeah. Uh, a sort of, I'm a little alarmed having this inside my house. <laughs> um, because it looks lo- like, like sort of a, um, a monster, like a, beho- like, a fantasy, like a beholder from D&D with all these tentacles yeah. expanding outward with what looks like wheat. But it can't possibly be wheat because mm-hmm. it's part of this nightmare sort of Lovecraftian thing so are you gonna tell me what it is what is this yeah that is talandia Talandia. uh, which is also called an air plant an air plant okay so this these guys in like the little globes people are hanging them from the ceiling yeah this is just in a piece of driftwood this is one you found naturally out in our yard yeah so that big oak tree in front of your office uh has a few of them up ins how about that yeah i didn't know that these were like a thing but i guess it makes sense it is it is literally like a like a tumbleweed that has yeah, grown uh-huh. on the tree. That's this how I would describe it. Huh. Mm-hmm. Okay. You going to tell me about these bad boys? Yeah. Uh, so I didn't realize, like, I didn't know anything about What them. am I supposed to do with this, by the way? Now I'm just holding Talandia. <laughs> you can put it on the ground. But is it going to shed? 
I don't want no. a bunch of I don't want a bunch of dusty plant leavings, a bunch of pollen. I mean, in you my can car- throw it out your window right now. If no, you it's want. nice. You gave it to me. It's a gift. Well, I don't. You don't have to keep it. I'm just going to hold it the whole show out in front of me like this. <laughs> it's very large, by the way, too. Oh, you. It's think huge. It's yeah. like softball sized. Yeah. Uh, so this, uh, is something I was not familiar with. Uh, I had seen air plants and little displays. I thought it was like a cactus thing. Well, I thought it was a synthetic. When I saw those, I thought it was like a synthetic thing. Oh, no, that's a real, that's a living thing. Um, when my friend Ariel came to visit, she spotted them and said, oh, that's an air plant. And I said, oh, I didn't know what they were called. Don't you wish you had nature proficiency? If, If you could, if you could like look at a tree and be like, oh, that's that tree. <laughs> it's up to no good. Sometimes I've noticed my dad will do that because my mom gardens. And yeah. so he'll just be walking around and be like, hey, what plant is that? As if she, as a gardener, can maintain the encyclopedia. I at least knew, I, I wish I knew which ones you could eat. I wish that I could be out in nature and look around yeah. and be like, you can eat that bark. That grass is sweet and delicious. And you'll get conflicting info too. I posted on Instagram a photo of this wild berry bush that that is growing around our house. Yeah. And some people were like, oh, don't eat that. And other people were like, if you cook it, you can eat it. And I was well, like, that's what? true of virtually anything. <laughs> if you cook anything enough, except for like uranium. <laughs> okay, so the plant. Yeah. So the plant, uh, there are over 600 species of uh, this plant. Uh, it is included in the family Bromelicae. Oh, sure. Pineapples, oh. Spanish moss. One of my favorite. Wait, <laughs> so, sp- pineapples and Spanish moss? Yeah. Those two seem pretty distant so what, relatives. What the characteristics, I was like, how, how is this related? Is that they get a lot of their moisture from their, their leaves, from their little pointy or, oh, okay. or you know, textured leaf system. Uh, which is why they don't need, or at least in the case of the air plant that I brought in, the Talandia, they don't need soil because they are absorbing their nutrients like through the air and through moisture in in the environment. Huh, that's interesting. Uh, and so their leaves are kind of silveryish, and they are of varying sizes depending on the climate. Okay, so the thinner leafed varieties grow in rainy areas, and the thick leafed varieties grow in areas more subject to drought. Okay. So you can see, you can find them in the desert, you can find them in Central America, and they'll just look a little different depending on how much moisture they have access to. Are succulents part of this family? Because I'm thinking about it, and like the top of a pineapple is so succulent like. Mm -hmm. It has these big, broad leaves that absorb the moisture. Boy, howdy, I wish we (laughs) knew the answer to that. We need like a real fucking nerd in here that can sit in here. I guess that's what a producer is. A producer just just sits in the studio with you and you're like, hey, is this a... And they look it up real fast? Hey, do this math. They don't even look it up. They just fucking know it. They just know it. Yeah, they push up their nose. Oh, well, well, technically, pineapples. Well, that is a cost savings to the listener. Yeah. Like we... (laughs) We pass the value along to you by not fact checking. So you have to do it. So you have to do it. It's like you're our producer. It's like you checking yourself out at the grocery store. It's exactly that. You feel empowered when you listen to the show. Yes. Uh, so these plants, you'll see them on trees as, uh, as I, the example I brought in, they'll also be on telephone, telephone wires, uh, bare How'd rocks. they get up there? How the fuck did they get up there? I mean, you said it yourself. They're like a tumbleweed. So they just blow up onto a telephone wire and grab hold and yeah. like, ah, I live here now. Trees make sense. Trees is, is plants too. 
but I don't like them being on man-made <laughs> objects. Uh, and and what's incredible, so I said that they will get their nutrients from rain. Uh, mm-hmm. They can also get it from decaying leaves and insect matter. Uh, they have something called trichomes, which allows them to absorb that moisture. I've heard that word before. Mm, look at you. A long time ago. Don't know what it means. <laughs> it's it's the structure of the leaf that allows them to absorb. I think I may have been thinking of a tri tricorner hat. Mm, you always are. <laughs> God, I, but I look good in a tricorner hat, don't I? I have a picture of me when I went to Colonial Williamsburg. Gotta make it about tri- you. Here we were talking about <laughs> me and how good I look in an old timey tricorner hat, and and immediately I'm saying. As another person with a large head, there is something about the tricorner hat <laughs> that I think is flattering. The triangle is a very slimming focus. shape. It draws focus to a central <laughs> point. It's all about forced perspective when you're dealing with a large dome. I just, I'm not a hat wearer. And no. that picture of me at Colonial Williamsburg, I was like, I look good, the yeah. tricorner hat. Let's bring, let's bring it to the mainstream, the tricorner hat. <laughs> I will say it is tricky to find one large enough for me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so they, uh, are very hardy plants. They can go a long time without water. Um, if you have an air plant, what they suggest is that you take it and you just dunk it in water once a week and soak it for a few hours and then you just let it dry out and that'll hold it over. So Um, have you been looking at this air plant that is now laying on the floor of the office and thinking like, wow, you really went through a lot to grow and flourish in the way that you did. And I ripped you from your (laughs) home. I mean, the thing, I can put that back out there. It'll be okay. Yeah, you're right. I should just chuck it back into one of those trees. Uh-huh. I'm going to do it right now. Okay. I don't know how to open this. I can't open this. <laughs> you're free! <laughs> right, right back onto the ground. I'll take another swing at that later. Uh, I will say that that particular air plant looked like it had already flowered, and that is something that they do towards the end of their life cycle. Well, you just, why did you have me do that whole symbolic gesture then? (laughs) Well, I don't know how close it is. Maybe it's got a good few months left. I mean, throwing a dead-ass plant up in the air. Uh, These plants uh, do need sunlight, um, but not like necessarily direct sunlight, and they do need air circulation too. So, so it's it's if you're going to buy one and put it in the little globe, make sure that you can still get air through there, and that you don't put it directly like in the the hottest part of your house. Yeah. Um, people think that these are like parasites. I mean, if you look like that particular. Uh, specimen that you just threw out the window (laughs) yeah heroic Um, heroically threw out the window it was actually on a dead branch which was why it was so easy for me to clip um and so people think like oh my gosh is this killing the tree and it's like no it just it likes to go in places where it can absorb you know more nutrients and also get more shade right so it doesn't have the full sunlight Hmm. so you'll find them a lot on on the dead the dead limbs that is a cool subject. I never really knew that that was like a thing. I thought it was just sort of detritus that had gotten stuck on a tree. I didn't know it was its own sort of functioning organism. I know. I know. They, <laughs> I watched a lot of videos about these air plants. And they're very popular with the millennials. From huh. <laughs> The videos suggested that because they're so low maintenance and kind of alien looking, yeah. people like them as little decorative elements. And they absorb some of the toxins like in the air too, just like a regular plant does. Oh. Thanks. 
Thanks. Yeah. I feel terrible for what I just did to that, that <laughs> poor guy then. Can I tell you about my first thing? Yes. We've been doing this show for so long now that I feel like you can follow our growth as people. Okay. You can like you you can Are you tr- talk about flossing. No, you can, God no. <laughs> you can talk. You can track the like changes in our preferences and the th- the kinds of things that we like. And yeah. I think that's kind of. I mean, when we started cool. the show, you were talking about Sudafed. Right, right. Um, so I want to talk about something that's a new love of mine, and that's the almond joy. <laughs> the almond joy candy bar. Um, that is, is very good. And my love for it is very, very new. It's like just now we got a big, uh, Rachel's parents sent us a big bag of <laughs> Halloween candy, not knowing that we, we, you know, have no plans to do like a, a safe candy dist. We don't know how to do a safe candy distribution. So really they just sent us a big bag of candy for us to eat. Yeah. And it's all fun size Hershey's and Kit Kat and for some re- reason, Whoppers and Milk Duds. Yeah, Milk Duds. Rachel and I, I enjoy, we talked about this. I like one milk dud, but then any more milk duds and it just becomes sort of a chore. But the Almond Joy was in there and I was like, "Eh, I haven't eaten an Almond Joy in a while. Let me pop one of these. And it was an absolute journey. It was an absolute flavor delight. But more than that, it was a textural masterpiece, the Almond Joy. When you talk about your evolution on the show, do you feel like the Almond Joy is a more dignified candy? I think it's more of a grown-up candy. I feel like I'm putting away my childish things in which I know that I've talked about the Milky Way on this program. But now you offer me a Milky Way and I'm like, that's a lot of nougat and caramel, my friend. (laughs) A Three Musketeers is just a big fucking nougat log. I can't, I'm 33. I can't eat that much nougat. I love a Three Musketeers. It's so much nougat. (laughs) But an Almond Joy is you get that snap of that tempered milk chocolate. You get a little chewy grainy from the from the coconut. And then you get that hard crunch when you hit that almond inside. And then those three textures just dance, dance around your palate. And just a little like a, a little orchestra of textures and flavors. That Now that's a mature bite, isn't it? Are you trying not to say symphony because that is another candy bar? I guess it is <laughs> sort of a, another candy bar. Uh, I like it. I like it in the same way that I feel like I have also grown to love a Snickers and that there's a lot going on inside of a Snickers. Yeah. That like you can just enjoy all of the different textures of it and instead of just having a more one note. A Hershey's bar, I don't even get it. It's just chocolate. It yeah, is just chocolate. I mean, you want to pair a Hershey's bar with something else. Yeah, absolutely. It like is you, uh, like a like a s'more. For it's example. a chocolate platform. Yeah, Kit Kat, you get the crunch, but then it's just like it's just the crunch. Almond Joy is coming at you from all different yeah, all different true. angles. True. What's the take five? Might be the ultimate. Oh my gosh, might that be the, is my favorite. maybe that's too much. Maybe take five is too far. I haven't what? had one in a while. Maybe I I can't handle take it. five <laughs> is like what peanuts and pretzels and caramel and and, yeah. and, and mm-hmm. it's got five different sort of layers. Peanut in butter, it. yeah. Maybe that's too much. I don't know. But an almond joy, I feel like, comes at you in the right. I don't even like almonds that much. I don't really eat that much coconut. But for some reason, you put all I these like things that it's together. Like one whole almond. Like they're not trying to sneak anything past you. Well, per fun size bar. Well, yeah. There's there is. I do like the way that they are nestled into the coconuts, as if you are at like a wake or a visitation for the almond. <laughs> You're at a closed <laughs> casket almond funeral. And I really, really dig that. So that's like the first fold of my twofold love of the almond joy. Okay. My second is more conceptual, and that <laughs> is that almond joy is the only candy bar with an evil twin that is the mounds. 
bar. Yeah, how fun is that? It's so fun. Uh, the The <laughs> difference is he, this: Mounds uses dark chocolate to Almond Joy's milk chocolate, and Mounds doesn't have an almond in it. That's it. It is a it is a hollow, empty vessel for a tree nut that will never arrive. And that is sad wow. in a lot of ways, if you think about it. I see. I thought about it as like, you know, they did some some testing and maybe there was an even split of people that were like, you know what I like? I like dark chocolate. I like coconut. I don't like nuts. But that is what they have. This is what I want to talk about. They have made you think that. And that's <laughs> fucking wild. I want everybody to take a step outside of themselves okay. to really holistically look at the Mounds Bar and the Almond Joy Bar <laughs> and what the creators of these bars have tried to do in like, uh, uh, like, they forced you into a binary. Synthetically driven a wedge between yeah. America, between yeah. Americans, which we don't need more wedges <laughs> coming between us. But there was, if you were alive in the 80s and 90s, you saw the ads that they don't yeah. do so much anymore uh, with the song written by beloved jingle smith, uh, Leon Carr, Sometimes You Feel Like a Nut. The whole thing is sometimes you feel like a nut, sometimes you don't. Um, and Joy's got nuts. Mounds don't. And they come in you like with that mouth don't in a way that makes you think like, well, that's the that's the working man's candy bar. <laughs> Listen, I don't have time for your for your almonds because I can't afford to feel like a nut. I'm supporting a fucking family over here. You've got three seconds. Maybe you don't have time for a nut right no. now. No, I just want the I just want the dark chocolate and the car- and the and the coconut and that is it. Uh, didn't know this. Mounds came first. There was a candy maker in Connecticut in the 1920s. Made the Mounds bar, sold it for five cents a pop. Uh, and then when World War II broke out, the the company that made Mounds like had to they they had a shortage on all of their candy making supplies, so they just focused on the Mounds bar. And then you know we got past World War II and they started to thrive because the people were crazy about the Mounds bar, so they went ahead and threw a fucking almond in there, and they were like, "This is now Almond Joys, uh, which we are selling alongside the Mounds." They also made the peppermint patty, the like weird like peacemaker they must have had a good deal with some coconut somewhere yeah they got what peppermint patty doesn't have coconut in it oh but it has that it has like a texture i guess kind of but it has a pepper it's more of a peppermint crim pat you're right you're right creamy creamy cream i can see why you would you would get there though if you get did a cross section about a mounds and you i mean the inside seems similar yeah um so in the 70s right they did this ad campaign sometimes you feel like a nut and it positioned these two nearly identical candy bars as as conceptual rivals it created the candy binary as as you put it and that's got to be one of the cleverest marketing stunts like of all time right because i before i discovered my love of the almond joy this year i still would have sworn myself to be a mounds man even though i didn't really <laughs> like mounds either because i don't really like coconut but i knew that about myself it's like what's your what's your uh-huh. are you a hufflepuff or whatever like are you a uh, cake or pie like everybody has these like things in their mind uh-huh. and they created one out of fucking nothing yeah. by saying which of these two again virtually identical candy bars do you now love and you hate the other one and you hate everyone who likes the other one and think that they are like completely out of the same company too it's not like you know it's not like two rivals created these similar products it's like the same company two 
We've created a rival for our own candy bar. Yes. Choose one. Two candy houses, equal in standing. <laughs> it's like, it's, it is wild. And it succeeded, obviously, because like you went from not giving a shit about these two candy bars to giving a shit about at least one of these candy bars. Uh-huh. It was this huge success. I feel like Twix tried to do this with their like, are you left Twix or right Twix? And like, people were like, that's nothing. <laughs> nothing. That's, that's fucking nothing. nothing. Get out of here, Twix. <laughs> uh, but it's still like, the source of that that meaningless distinction between the, the do you like mounds and do you like almond joy is the fact that a distinction between these two candy bars exists at all that there was some candy maker that took a look at mounds and plopped a single fucking almond on it and then was like that's a different thing <laughs> Blop, you're not mounds anymore all right what are we going to call it sir mounds with almonds you're fucking fired. <laughs> you don't get it. You don't get it. That's a different thing. It's a totally different thing. It's a different thing entirely. We're going to give it a different colored wrapper. We're going to give it a different name. And we're going to create a, a fake civil war between these two candy bars. I think you're underestimating the power of dark chocolate, though. You're, you're acting as if it is a similar candy. But not only is it have the nut but it has a different kind of chocolate okay i will grant you that but what i will not grant you is that snickers has tried out a lot of stuff over the years snickers has had like here's peanut butter snickers here's dark chocolate snickers yeah here's here's when hershey's bar is like here's dark chocolate hershey's i guess they do call it special dark but they don't call it like stewart's chocolate (laughs) this one's stewart's or evil hershey's and you can only like one of them that's true it's fucking wild to me that these two candy bars are called different things, and it's not just called Almond Mounds. It's called Almond Joy, and if you like these, you have to fucking hate mounds. <laughs> it's out of control. It is. Uh, and yet, it is like foolproof, because I, now I will never eat another Mounds. I will only eat Almond oh, Joy. Oh, so you've totally switched camps. I've completely switched camps. I, I, I am just, if, because I realized I don't like almonds, but it's not about that. Mm-hmm. When you're eating an almond joy, it's not about how you feel about almonds. It's about what almond that that one almond crunch brings to the entire the entire bouquet. I feel like this is a much larger, more emblematic conversation because I feel comfortable liking both. Huh? Interesting. And I think that's the difference between us. Hmm. That is interesting. Mm-hmm. It's wrong. <laughs> it's wrong. I just love it. I. It's. It, it's. This is, for me, I feel like a good form of marketing that is very, very smart and not, like, explicitly predatory. It's like, oh, you you, <laughs> you got me. Yeah. You got all of us and our fucking parents with this feel-like-a-nut thing. You've really got us on that one. Good going. Uh, can I steal you away? Yes. It can be intimidating trying to roll with the console cowboys in cyberspace. Um, there's always the worry that maybe they know something that you don't vis-a-vis um, website design or website functionality, and you think, that I could never be that. I could never be among their illustrious ranks. Griffin, if I wanted to build a website where I ranked my favorite episodes of Ghostwriter, would I be able to do that? Well, first of all, it would be 
the same list as everybody else's with the Julia Styles <laughs> episode at the top. But yes, you can do that with Squarespace. It's the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. Every Squarespace website and online store comes with a suite of integrated features and useful guides that help maximize prominence among search results. Do you want to have special functionality, like maybe a members-only VIP club section of your website? You can do that. Do you want to sell stuff? Yeah, you can do that too. Do you want to have an online scheduler so that people you can, you can sell uh, your time? Yeah, you can do that also. Anything is possible! That's um th- for the commercial, the Super Bowl commercial they had. That was my voice yelling, anything is possible. In the wow. Background. Yeah, not a lot of people know that. Hey, head to squarespace.com slash wonderfulpod for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code wonderfulpod to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Griffin? Yeah. You know what's a shame? What? Is that when you order uh, meals to be delivered to you, they can only be for dinner. That's true because of the law. But wait, wait, what's this coming across our desk? The law is different now? (laughs) It's factor. These rebels are operating outside the boundaries of food law. (laughs) Factor has breakfast. They have midday bites. They have smoothies. Uh, There's lots of stuff you can get with Factor. What other things can you get with Factor? Well, I'm looking at this menu right now. They got a lot of tasty little options for you. I'm talking about artichoke and spinach chicken with roasted zucchini and tomato butter. Did you even know that butter could be tomato? (laughs) Not me. Shredded chicken and loaded mashed taters. With I changed the word. They say potatoes, but I said taters, precious. With mushroom <laughs> gravy, smoked cheddar, uh, bacon, and Parmesan broccoli. Uh, this this menu is out of sight, and my mouth is just watering looking at these glossy JPEGs of tasty food. So head to factormeals.com slash wonderful50 and use code wonderful50 to get 50% off. That's code wonderful50 at factormeals.com slash wonderful50 to get 50% off. We have a few Grumpo prompts here. Can I read the first one? Because it's for Davis and it's from Rebecca. Can I please read it? Yes, please. Rebecca says, happy birthday to my sweet husband. Since our California birthday trips have been canceled two times this year, I figured this was a surefire way to celebrate your special day. You mean more to me than I could ever articulate. I want you to know that you are wonderful and I wouldn't want to do life with anyone else. You're the best partner and dad love you. Spelled love L-U-V there, and I th- I'm i thinking it may be because they ran out of characters oh, yeah. to fill in the message. Well, maybe you were supposed to say it different. Love you. Mm-hmm. you. I enjoy this relatable content because there are so many people I know that in March were like, well, we've got to cancel this April trip. Let's push it to September. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, maybe we'll do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there may be one or more extensions to, to follow that, but uh, not for us. October 17th is Davis's birthday, I believe. So happy, happy birthday, Davis. Can I read the next one? Please do. This message is for Anne, Kenzie, Logan, and Sunday from Nathan. Wow, I can't believe how far we've come in our weird little D&D game. I honestly can't wait to see what kind of adventures. Ugh, whimsy. Try Ugga. I don't know. You tackled that word in such a wild way. <laughs> U-G-G-A-H and you hit it like I don't mean oh babe come back (laughs) I'm so used to words in these messages just being like (laughs) indiscernible (laughs) clearly there's no easy way to say this honestly can't wait to see what kind of adventures (laughs) 
Ugga, Whimsy, Schroeder, and Fern get up to next. Y'all are seriously the best friends I could ask for, and I love you all so much. Your kind and benevolent DM, Nathan. Or perhaps, Nyomph! <laughs> I am Nyomph! <laughs> I love that character. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Video games. Video games. Video games. You like them? Maybe you wish you had more time for them. Maybe you want to know the best ones to play. Maybe you want to know what happens to Mario when he dies. <laughs> In that case, you should check out Triple Click. It's a podcast about video games. A podcast about video games? But I don't have time for that. Sure you do. Once a week, Kickback as three video game experts give you everything from critical takes on the hottest new releases to scoops, interviews, and explanations about how video games work to fascinating and sometimes weird stories about the games we love. Triple Click is hosted by me, Kirk Hamilton. Me, Jason Shire. And me, Maddie Myers. You can find Triple Click wherever you get your podcasts and listen at MaximumFun.org. Bye! Uh, hey, can you tell me about uh, your second thing that you have prepared to speak on uh, this this morning for me? Please tell me now. My second thing is obstacle courses. Yes. I I didn't want to just talk about American Ninja Warrior again. Because <laughs> according to wonderful.fyi, we have talked about it twice. Mm. I think once was maybe a small wonder and once was an entire segment. That makes sense. Uh, and I realized kind of fundamentally what I love uh, and the reason that American Ninja Warrior isn't just necessarily a show that like I put on in the background mm-hmm. is the obstacle courses. I'm fascinated by like the design and like the suitability and, and the placement, like how they put it together. Especially for Ninja Warrior, because it, they take themselves very seriously, so much so that like people have entire careers based around that show and that they open up gyms and shit. Yeah. So they have to take the thing. You can't just have some bullshit obstacle on there that knocks everybody out. Like everything has to be possible to accomplish yet very very hard it's really interesting to watch them tune those there's just yeah as griffin mentioned there's just this whole culture now built around like designing and running obstacle courses around the globe and it was just kind of fascinating to think about like why why do people love these things so much um so i was doing research the obstacle course kind of unsurprisingly seems to have its its roots in the military yeah uh, it was it was designed uh, with this idea of kind of building building skill and confidence through these different courses. Uh, it's interesting when I was reading about it. Uh, the 20th century uh, Georges Hébert, okay. which I really wanted to say with a French accent, I, I was love just it. so excited about it. Created what he called un parcours, which oh. is the French word for course. Interesting, which is also the root of parkour. I'm assuming. Hmm. Uh, but the idea is that it's a course where one walks, runs, jumps, uh, crawls, climbs, uh, walks on unstable balance, carries, throws, etc. Frolics. Frolics. Loves. Lo- loves. Aw, babe. <laughs> um, and the idea was that, you know, you you build not just like the confidence, but, you know, the mental toughness of taking on these different obstacles. So instead of just, you know, running or push-ups or jumping jacks, you're like, attacking things right are designed to kind of knock you off balance the the kind of the phenomenon of the race the obstacle course race 
started in something uh, called The Tough Guy in the UK uh, in 1987. uh, Eccentric former British Army soldier Billy Wilson, a.k.a. Mr. Mouse, (laughs) uh, started a 15-kilometer obstacle course uh, and designed it to kind of push participants to their limits. Uh, and then later, what you may be more familiar with now is the the Tough Mudder, which is just a super sloppy double dare yeah. version of the Tough Guy. <laughs> exactly. I have seen. I don't know if you've seen people do this. Sure. But everybody will post pictures on the Facebook of of them covered. Yeah. Covered in mud. I'm like, great job. You're dirty. Like, cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the dirtiness doesn't appeal to me. I think that's why I like the kind of the sterileness of of the Ninja Warrior. I remember at at a church camp once, there was like a mud activity that they were like, put on some grody shorts and like a shirt you don't (laughs) mind ruining. And we're just going to have a big mud fight and play in mud. How was was it? And I was like, fuck yeah, let's do it. And then you're in the mud and like a few minutes in, you're like, wow, I'm super dirty right now, and the sun is starting to kind of bake it onto me in a way yeah. that is fucking terrible. I do not. When you're wet and muddy and gushy and slimy, oh, it's so much fun. But then you get out of the mud, and you're like, now what? Well, and you know it's going to get in your fingernails and in your mouth, and that's hard to get out. Your butt crack? Yeah. Yeah. I, that's that part of You know, I have a hard time with the beach because sand gets in the butt crack, and it's like gets right up no. in there. No, Ugh. no. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you talked about this. Let me know when we did American Ninja Warrior. Did you talk about the company that does that does the obstacles? No. Okay. So it is a company called ATS. They started in 1999 as Alpine Training Services, and they taught outdoor classes like canyoneering. Huh. Uh, and then it was actually Biggest Loser was the first uh, show to come to them and say, "Build us a course." Huh. And then they kind of took off from there. And so they they do, um, as I mentioned, Ninja Warrior. They also do Amazing Race whenever there are obstacle courses. Oh, yeah. Is that show still on? I don't know. I feel know. like there hasn't been a you new- You know what? I heard that they did film a season prior to the pandemic that they uh, have not released yeah. yet. I guess they wicked could not make that show now, yeah. considering there are <laughs> many countries that we are not allowed to fly to right now. Mm-hmm. They also did a bunch of shows that I was not familiar with. Uh, they did something called Dodgeball Thunderdome, which is currently on Discovery. Okay. So I guess the idea is you are doing an obstacle course, but then they are also throwing balls at you. It sounds a little like Wipeout to me. Sounds quite a bit like Wipeout, uh, but, but I th- meaner. <laughs> I don't know if the participants themselves are also throwing the balls. Yeah. Um. Also shows uh, like Spartan, which was the rock show. Oh, yeah. With the obstacle course. That's not still on the air, I don't believe. I don't think so. Uh, they also did a show that is also not on the air from 2018 called TKO with Kevin Hart, which was another obstacle course show. They do Floors Lava? I guess that's more of a... I didn't see it on their website. Mm. It's possible it just hasn't been updated. Uh, so the a lot of the people that work for ATS um, not only design the obstacle, but they have to be kind of fit enough to test it out. Um if you go to a live taping of American Ninja Warrior, you will see people running running the obstacles right before the show is filmed. To prove that they are able yeah, to like be... Yeah. They are ready to go. And I think that's, that's all that I wanted to say about that. The other shows that I got excited about, but I've never seen, is something called America's Top Dog, where they do a... <gasps> oh. Like a, you know, a I dog show style obstacle course. I think I've seen clips of this. I've, seen, I've definitely seen dogs try to run up a warped wall. And it's like they can't, they don't have opposable thumbs. <laughs> don't try it, guys. 
Don't try it. You're going to hurt yourselves. Uh, and then this show I kind of remembered being excited about, but we never watched Holy Moly, which was a 10 episode mini golf Oh, no, we did watch that and it didn't quite do didn't it grab for us. us. Didn't quite grab us. Because uh, we take our shit seriously. <laughs> we want to watch hard bodied athletes <laughs> who have honed their craft and have a fucking 14 foot horizontal leap do their thing. I I I kind of read a little bit about like why people like watching these shows and some of it is just that you know the individuals that run these courses are sometimes like Olympic athletes right. but then they are sometimes people who have just spent the past few years really training you know Yeah, I think that indulges a part of my brain that's like, man, I wish I could get to the point in my life as a person <laughs> as an adult that I could do this. I love it when they're like 45 too and you're like, all right. All right, get I it. I could still do this. Right. <laughs> uh, can I tell you about my second thing? Yeah. My second thing is an album from a Canadian uh, indie rock group in the mid 2000s, uh, which really, I'm sure somebody just checked off their fucking wonderful music segment bingo card. Uh, but I want to talk about Wolf Parade. Yeah. Uh, specifically the album Apologies to the Queen Mary, which came out in 2005, was their first album and a huge sort of critical smash hit breakout success for them that I don't really think they ever quite uh, caught up to or surpassed uh, because there was so much buzz. Wolf Parade was sort of formed Voltron style from members of a lot of other like big Canadian, well, comparatively big like Canadian indie rock groups and so yeah. before the album even came out they had two EPs that were out and so uh the big you know your 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 pitchforks and what have you were like a buzz about this album before it I came out. I can't tell if that was like a particularly great time for music or if we were just of the age where we were really into music. I think it's almost certainly that like that was the peer it was a great time I think objectively a lot of really good music was being made but there you know there's good music being made all the time i think that's just the part of our lives where we were really paying attention yeah. and like really open to hearing new stuff um so wolf parade uh came about in like 2003 and it came together the, the group came together pretty quickly they uh formed and recorded an ep over the course of like three weeks uh and a couple years later they released apologies to the queen mary after being signed to sub pop which is like one of the all-time best uh, indie labels ever, uh, and this record was was huge. I remember it was like one of the the like first cool bands that I listened to in in real time. This was my freshman year of college when when this album came out, and I was listening to it, and I was like, oh. This is like the first cool band I've listened to. What's the first band I've listened to that wasn't like They Might Be Giants since I was, you know, 11 years old. Uh, so that is notable. And like, I just put this album in my iPod and it never left uh, until I guess I got rid of my iPod because people weren't using iPods anymore. Um, it slots into this like indie rock field with Modest Mouse, like very, very cleanly and uh, like Arcade Fire and Neutral Milk Hotel. Yeah, I was thinking TV on the radio. TV yeah. on the radio. I mean, it definitely fits into that time period, but I think it has a, a sort of wild, screechy, ambitious, yeah. uh, like sort of Canadian brainy sound uh, that a lot of bands that, that you know, everybody was into uh, were were enjoying at the time. And a lot of those artists really collaborated. Modest Mouse sort of shepherded Wolf Parade to Sub Pop and uh, they performed together a whole lot. 
Uh, and this album is just loud and it's wild with these like huge arrangements and there's two lead vocalists on the album. So there's like that, you get that sort of uh, uh, Lennon, Harrison sort of uh, McCartney vibe where it's just uh-huh. each song is like a different sort of tone with a different voice singing it, which yeah. is always, I think, really, really cool when it's not like fully discordant and weird. Um, there's just guitars on guitars and guitars and guitars. Uh, and sometimes it's like kind of shrill in ways that you don't really expect, but uh, works to to what the songs build to. Um, and it's like really, I, again, like it's very brainy, but in a way that they still have a lot of rough edges on a lot of the songs. Uh, it's just a fucking great album. And to give you an example of, of what it sounds like, I'm going to play the the sort of most successful song I think they ever did, like their big arena rock anthem, if you want to think of it that way, which is I'll Believe in Anything. You know the song, right? I think it's the. I don't yeah. care. Remember if it's the one I sent to you yesterday to to listen to. I no, know you, I do. This this. Uh, I mean, this was on my iPod. Yeah, it's. Uh, it is a phenomenal song. It's like yeah. uh, in the pantheon in my mind of like the great songs with like under pressure and uh-huh. and stuff like that. Where it's just like, oh well, this song is just kind of perfect and uh it is ambitious ambitious but it achieves like everything that it tries to go for it's really complicated the arrangement is but it builds like so you hear yeah. all the individual parts like really really clearly uh and i think doing something that is kind of unpredictable i think the parts of this song that you hear even like the opening screechy like uh-huh. like is is unpredictable and it's also anthemic is like a needle that I don't know how they threaded. Like, I don't know how anybody threads that needle, but uh-huh. but they do that a lot uh, throughout this album. And that's like the hallmark of really good indie rock in, in, in my mind. Um, and I think for all of its like loudness, it is also lyrically like very cerebral uh, and, and very like poetic. There's a track called Grounds for Divorce, which is also one of my favorite songs on the album. Uh, and I want to play a bit from, but there's a, uh, uh, lyrics that go, uh, you said you hate the sound of the buses on the ground. You say you hate the way they scrape their brakes all over town. I said, pretend it's whales keeping their voices down. It's like such a weird, yeah. like, uh, d- kind of dreamy way of... I love your descriptor of Canadian brainy. I feel like that, for some reason, feels really apt to me. <laughs> oh my God, it's like fully, fully, like, I, I, they they work with poetic what's the word like visualization of things uh that is just so out there and yet like you hear it and you're like oh i get what they're i get what they're saying by that uh i think another I, I think that's like really tough to do also is like writing things that are kind of abstract but can again be the kind of thing that at a live concert people are just like screaming at the top of their lungs like yeah man whales keeping their voices down like okay. <laughs> it's such a like wild thing it, it also has just these uh, grounds for divorce has these like non-stop guitar arpeggios out of just like a 80s like soft metal band uh, so i'm gonna play a little bit of that right now Oh, it's all, 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 it's all,
So they had other albums after this that get a little bit more uh, experimental and a little bit less like accessible, a little less like populist in a way that uh, is kind of remarkable for Apologies to the Queen Mary. Uh, and it, it again, like it's one of those things I say it a lot whenever I talk about music on this show. But as soon as I this popped up in a time capsule uh, playlist that Spotify generated, I think partially out of things that I've been listening to since I've been a Spotify user, but part of it was just kind of wild guesses, which is why like there's a lot of Eminem on there. That's like, oh, I didn't Spotify. I never really had an Eminem phase, but there is this, uh, I'll believe in anything popped up and it just transported me back to fucking Pitchfork Fest 2010, just like jumping up and down with all my friends in Chicago, like screaming a lot, like tearing up to all believe in anything, which is like, uh, I don't know. It's just a really, really wild experience. And there are yeah. so many songs on this album that can I'm accomplish that. I'm glad you brought that. this band. I had kind of forgotten. Me too. It was so huge too. I remember, I, I think I've talked about this. I had a Zune in, living in Chicago that I had this album on. And I was on the the Brown Line, the, on the L, and just like riding downtown. And I saw a, a woman sitting in front of me who also had a Zune that I could see she was also listening to Wolf Parade <laughs> on it. And I was like, man. I'm glad you a, didn't fall in love. Yeah, me too. It was, uh, it was, By the way, you always talk about that Zune like it's ancient history, but you definitely had that when you moved here. Oh, I still have it. It's in my closet right now. Uh, <laughs> I, like my father, lost my charger for it, so it will probably never run again. I think a listener of Adventure Zone sent him a charger for it that they like had. Please don't send me a charger. I won't use it. Um, but yeah, this is a this is one of the all time best albums, I think. And uh, if you have never heard Wolf Braid, I'm like deeply, deeply jealous of you because it is. Uh, apologies to the Queen Mary is. Just a, a, a just a trip, man. Just a trip. Good jams, good bops. Uh, can I tell you what our friends at home are talking about? Yes. I'm very excited to talk about this one. Ryan said, something that's been wonderful for me recently is uh, Neil Cicerega's newest parody, question mark, album, Mouth Dreams. With the entire world being just so much lately, a new batch of his absurd, absurdist, Humor-laden mashups have been exactly uh, absolutely clutch for me keeping my cool. For me, there's just nothing better for resetting after a session of doom scrolling than hearing Johnny Cash's voice proclaim, when I was just a boy, when I was just a baby, I shot a man in Reno, I was just a baby boy, to be followed up by, <laughs> I shit my pants, over the hook from Justin Bieber's baby. I don't know how familiar you are with the mouth uh, series of albums from Neil C. Cerega, I mean, but I, it is, I know what you have played for me. Uh, yes, I have played them for you. Mouth Sounds just came out, I think, at the end of last month, and it is. I just found out about it yesterday because our editor on the Taz Graphic Novels pinged me about it. Like, you must, you must. <laughs> it opens with a four minute long ballad of harmonized clips of the guy singing Yahoo from the Yahoo commercials uh-huh. from the 80s. Yeah. That had me like I had my door open and I thought people were going to think I was like losing it because I had it on the speakers just and me just on the fucking floor dying laughing. It is so good. Is this the guy that did mom spaghetti? Uh, Oh, I don't know. I don't know. He's the one who did uh, Lenny Kravitz's Fly. Yeah. I want to I want to fuck a Milky Way. Uh, I want to eat the sun. Oh, man. Uh, Didi says the orchestra tune up that controlled cacophony always changes the room, uh, charges the room with anticipation and makes the first strains of music sound even more beautiful. Plus, it just sounds neat. I like that, too. Gets you pumped. What are we about to hear? I mean, I know we're at we're at a production of the Nutcracker. So I know what we're going to hear. But ooh, anything's possible. I know. 
You ever did? I've never played in a ba- a big band like that. You probably did this like a lot, huh? Yeah, I mean, I was in band, and y'all did the like. That's my impression of the tune up. Honestly, I don't remember. Oh, okay. That's more of a stringed instrument thing, I guess. Yeah, it's been 20 years. I mean, I'm guessing that we all played a note together. Yes. Do you tune a flute? Of course you do. How do you tune a you flute? You know the little head joint? You yeah. know how it's like three pieces? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The head joint, you can kind of pull in and out of the instrument to make oh, it longer or shorter, depending on how like sharp or flat you are. Fantastic. So sometimes you'd have to like pull it out. Nice. You were trying, I have to applaud you for the great lengths you went to not make a jerk off motion just then. <laughs> I realized I was doing it. No, but you As if you, it was necessary. You know, like within a millisecond, you're like, but I can't <laughs> open that door. It was really impressive, baby. Thank you. I want, I want to thank Bowen and Augustus for the use of our theme song, Money Won't Pay. You can find a link to that in the episode description. And uh, thank you so much to Maximum Fun for having us on the network. Yeah, I would encourage everybody, if you haven't, go to Maximum Fun and check out a new show this week. Um, yeah, Triple Click is a really good one. Yeah. Uh, it's got some, some video games. Yeah, some Kotaku and ex Kotaku folks on there, and it's all about video games, and it's really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I also do a video game podcast if you're into that kind of thing called The Besties. It's on Spotify. I do it with Juice and uh, our buddies Russ and Chris from Polygon, and uh, we talk about one video game a week, and it's uh, real, real cool. Started talking about next gen consoles because those are coming out really soon, and Chris has one of them, so that's going to be this week's episode. So mm-hmm. please, please enjoy. I think that's it. Yes. I think we're going to stop recording now. Yes. I've got downstairs a granola bar with my name on it. (laughs) I am going to absolutely destroy that thing. And then I'm going to go outside and I'm going to try to throw an old dead plant back up into a tree again. Oh, I want to watch that. Going to take a few tries. (laughs) I hope one of our neighbors walks by and just shouts some words of encouragement at you. You can do it. I I need. Is anyone a basketball coach? MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.